this is Joshua Lipton, a.k.a. The Wicked Ambassador. And this is Michael Lipton, a.k.a. The Master of Assassin. And this is Just Talking. Just Talking. How you doing today, Mike? I'm doing very well. How are you doing this fine, uh, fine Monday afternoon? Pretty good. I mean, actually, to be honest, I've, I've been doing better. My allergies have been killing me lately. But other than that, I cannot complain. It's been a beautiful weekend. Um, we just picked up a foster dog, actually. So we, he's been with us less than 48 hours but he seems like a really good boy milo and him are slowly becoming fast friends slowly becoming fast friends that's a bit of an oxymoron uh anyway um so that's that's what's new with me how about you uh you know not not much uh you know yesterday i got uh, i made some some more pasta i made some uh mushroom uh stuffed ravioli it's pretty good and then uh yeah, that that was my day for most of yesterday. Was I'll, I'll say this: your pasta when we came over and had it, delicious. I hate mushrooms, so I don't care how good the pasta is. I would never touch that. We're uh, thinking of doing. Uh, we also made ricotta and herb stuffed ones for a lunch mm. this week, and we've made that in the past. We're also thinking of trying a sweet potato stuffed one. That'd be good. I think I could. Yeah. I could see sweet potato and maybe brown butter sage. Yeah. Well, we've done we've done squash. In the past, squash stuffed was really good. We thought sweet potato might be another option to try. For sure, for sure. All right. So last week we discussed some musical tastes there where we slightly disagreed. And so we both had some Spotify homework. So I listened to Death Grips, The Money Store. You listened to Weekly Discover. Yeah, my Weekly Discover playlist on Spotify, um, which uh, was, was very surprising to me. Um just because I expected it to be a lot more top 40 sort of hits. There's so much more variety in what they gave me than what I expected. Um, I told you. Most of it was not good, but <laughs> it was much more varied than I thought. There was some value in there. Um, but in the end, I, d I don't think any of the songs there, like for a couple of the songs, I decided to listen to the albums that they were from. And I don't think there's a single album out of that that I um that I'm gonna be listening to long term. What I will say is it's like what thirty songs long, something like that. The playlist. Yeah. I Sounds think there great. were, you know, how you can put a don't like tag on them. I think I put a don't like tag on twenty two or twenty three of the thirty songs. Um, that they weren't good, or they were actively bad. In that, I, I I had no interest in ever spending more time listening to them. Okay. It's not that they were, for some of them they weren't bad. They were just so uninteresting or or down the middle or something where I, I could not perceive myself getting any value over replacement music out of that song. So, I'm, I'm value like value over replacement music. I mean, if I'm going to listen to music, I tend to want to listen to something where I think I'm getting something incredible or great. I, I'm not a really music in. I put on music sometimes in the background, but I've got enough music that I know and like that I'm never bored of all of the music that I have, and I love all the music that I like, so why not just put on something like that unless if it's something that's better? There were some things that intrigued me where I decided to go to the album, but nah, nah no long-term prospects there. So we listen to music so differently because I find it interesting that you say... Like, I do like listening to the hits, but something about discovering a song that you really like is, is like, magic to me, where you're like, oh, my God, how did I live my life without this specific beat or this song? And even if it only... Some of them are, like, I'll say, like, a summer fling, 
where you love a song but only for like a month or a week and then you kind of it it, it gets to the bottom of your rotation you never hear it but then it pops up maybe like you know a year later and you're like hey that song was dope remember when i was really into that song so i don't know i i love listening to new music because i love discovering a, a song i've never heard before uh i will say like i do think you said that you don't use spotify that much so same with the algorithm the more you use it the better it will get at predicting what you like i can tell you i also listened to my spotify discovery this week and there was only i i judge it not the same as you but like cause some of the songs i don't dislike unless it's like actively bad but i only like a song and add it to my favorited songs if i really like it and i think out of the 30 i liked like i really was into two or three songs this week and then a couple were okay that were like yeah i maybe i would maybe listen to that again but like eh, take it or leave it um but i'll tell you about death grips so i'm so curious yeah it's interesting so they're so unique i i i was into one or two of their songs i did really like one or two of their songs i'm trying to remember what they're called right now the specific ones but they were uh, let me look it up right now because i know it based on like the number in the in the album like again we listen to music so differently i never listen to a full album like start to finish ever 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 so i did that purely for i i like going like song to song to song um let me find it here but there were listen they're different they're unique I'll, I'll give them that uh i think i liked was it i've seen footage and yeah, song. i like that one i was i was i hacker was okay hustle bones was okay i really like got, hustle bones. yeah i think hustle bones i liked and get, get got. got i think yeah. was pretty good but like again it was like a lot of them I was like, not, not for me. And then some of them I was like, okay, it's, it's, it's very unique. But I was like, those ones, there's some, there's some, despite the fact that it's not my style, like there's enough awesomeness there to counteract the fact that it's not my style, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, I, I think that they're, they're not someone that I, I, how would you describe it to someone listening, by the way? I have, they're an experimental hip hop group with very, abstract uh beat production i i guess that's how i would best try and describe it i mean it's not even like the beat but like how would you describe the vocals the vocals are kind of so aggressively delivered and yeah it's 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 i feel like it's influenced by like hardcore punk mixed with hardcore hip-hop somewhere there is where mc rides vocal delivery kind of lives it's yeah it's very scratchy and yelling and you know it's but it was good. I will admit that I did like it. Again, I, to me, I'm like, this is in your top 100 albums, or like that. It's not even close it's, for me. It's but not I was in like, my top 100. I think it's or, oh, sorry, top, top 150 for for that one. Fair. I don't think but, any other albums are top 100. For top 100 of the decade, they've got a lot of albums. Okay, fair. All of their albums are also very, very different. Interesting. I don't know. They 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 they're one of those groups that just keeps jumping around, and they, they I like that. All of all of their albums are very distinctly Death Grips, but usually not like the last album. Listen, I love Tame Impala, but I would say there's clearly an evolution in each album, and I so I'm I'm very pro experimentation with musicians. Kanye, I think, did the same thing. I think it's about evolving. Like, you know, back to the debate last week, I feel like too many people like find oh this is the 
this is the uh, algorithm that works, right? Th this beat and this, and let's just keep doing that. I think then you're not growing. You're kind of just in this harvesting phase where you're like, let's juice the most of this little insight I got where it's like people like this kind of music. I feel like the greats learn to go beyond that and to experiment and try something new and they're okay failing. And listen, uh, you know, I don't love every, I love, I love Tim Paul. I love Kanye West. I, do I like every song they've done? No, but the hits more than make up for the failures. Yeah. The one thing I'll say that I find Tame Impala, I feel like the evolution has been very, it's followed a clear path of each one's gone progressively closer to this sound. Whereas I, I'm going to say with, with some artists and particularly Death Grips, it's not like it's a continuous forwards evolution. It's like side to side and back and all. It, it's not like it's, we're gradually moving closer towards this sound, which I feel like Tame Impala has been as much as it's been, what do we want to do now? I don't know. Do we want to go <laughs> take a sharp left turn and try this? Or do we want to, you know, move, move, you know, in reverse towards something else? Or it, it's all over the place. It's True. which I appreciate and has led to some that I've liked less, but at the same time, I just as, as a group, I find them one most interesting. I, uh, and again, for them, like, I'm sure if they make an album no one likes, like, if they liked it, fine, but it's like, it's a year of their life. But for me, if you make 10 albums, and I don't like three of them, so I don't listen to them. Like, there's no downside to making, like, you could say, like, from, from their from their monetary standpoint, maybe it damages their brand or people stuff. But, like, I'm still, like, make great music, and if it needs, if you need to make two bad albums in order to find inspiration and make an amazing album, I, I'll take that payoff. I will easily take that. And the last thing I want to note on this is, just with bands trying different things. I just finished a book, really good book, really liked it, called The Range, R-A-N-G-E. It's about a, uh, the author, it's one of these pop psychology books. He basically says that you want to try many different things and the people that have a wide range of influences and knowledge base are end up doing better and performing better than those specialists. So rather than people that have one very narrow, either... Um, they're really good at something or they know of uh, a knowledge base very deep and narrow it's better to experiment because you can pull in all these interesting things and it was about sports and and uh, you know scientists it wasn't really about music but I found it could apply to music you know there's lots of fleet I think it was flea right from the Red Chili Peppers wasn't he a, a, he started as a saxophone player or something trumpet or? I believe he trumpet was. yeah because he's played trumpet on Mars Volta albums yeah um, and people with a wide range of, oh, you know, I, I play rock, but I liked hip hop and I would also listen to jazz. And you can take all these interesting uh, tidbits and, and create something beautiful and new. So uh, I really, I did, like, again, I, would I say I loved the money store? No, but I appreciate it. And I'm happy that I tried something new. And uh, lately, like this, this year, I'm trying to do new things. So it felt like, you know what? I tried, I tried some music I wouldn't normally listen to. Was it like I, w I kind of want to do it more I would I would actually be down to do this like on a weekly basis like you recommending an artist I would not normally listen to and maybe I'll try to th think of the same but I mean even with the movies some of these movies it's like oh I've had this movie on my watch list for a year and I never got around to it and this gives me an excuse to finally say you know what I should watch it you know yeah I mean if, if you want me to try and come up with an artist I'll try and come up with one by the end of the um end of the episode for someone for you if to it, listen to if it doesn't happen we can always start it next week but i i've been i enjoyed it i'll say that yeah i i also thought it was probably good for me to listen to the weekly suggestions i'll say the one thing that i did get most out of that is 
there was an Iggy Pop song on on it from his latest album, which is from last year. And I was like, oh yeah, I meant to listen to Iggy Pop's album before that, which was the one they did with um Josh Homme, um mm. of Queens of the Stone Age, uh, called Post Pop Depression. So I listened to that album, and that was a very good album. That's an album that I don't know. You want you want me to assign that one to you? Sure. Oh, yeah, Iggy Pop. Sounds good. I'll think of something to assign to you, but um, if not, I'll just do my weekly suggestions discover. again. Yeah, and that'd be interesting to see if as over. Actually, that would be interesting. You keep track, and every week you see how many you like, and if that hit rate goes up as it learns more about you. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll say this for there's one song that I really liked on it, but it was a song that I I already had on my computer. Um, mm. Actually, no, I could switch it up. Yeah. I'm not going to give you Iggy Pop. I'm going to give you FKA Twigs is the name of the artist, and she's got two albums, LP1 and Magdalene. Choose either one of them and listen to it. They're both really good. One of the songs off of her most recent album came up on the weekly suggestions, and I thought, well, I've I've listened to this on Spotify, so you know that I like it. It's, it was kind of like they, they threw one in that they knew was going to be a So they do that. Thing. So I actually was reading about that. Someone like a product manager was saying that originally they did weekly discover and it was all new stuff based on what you listened to and it was never from an artist you'd heard or a song you'd heard and they got like a people were not listening to as much but then they slipped in one to three i think they said like songs by artists you already knew yeah to, to ease you in and people like the adoption rate went way up and people liked it more to me it's almost like the opposite of the netflix thumbs up thumbs down where it's like you know it, you you have to measure the level of specificity versus like how the adoption rate, right? Is it better to get more granular data or is it better to get a little less granular, but you get way higher adoption. So you're getting more data in total, right? So like, again, I, I keep bringing up the Netflix thing it used to be five stars. Not many people rated it. Now it's just thumbs up, thumbs down, clearly less granular, but you know, many more people are using the thumbs up, thumbs down. Personally, I hate it. Because I, I want even like three, just like thumbs up, thumbs down. There's sometimes where I'm like, eh, it wasn't thumbs up, but it also wasn't thumbs down. I want a meh. I want a meh. Yeah, just a meh. I want a guy shrugging. Just eh, eh. Shrug emoji. I, I would use that quite a bit. Yeah, same. I would just, I just, in the end, what I do is I rate everything except for the mehs. So I either rate thumbs up, thumbs down, or if I don't like, if I'm not sure, I just don't rate it. But I rate everything else. That That's what, that's what I'm doing right now so yeah. I, we've both found something that works um netflix we're talking directly to you bring in a shrug emoji all right uh do you have any other quick hits for this week uh i do not how about you i've got a couple actually one is um this ties into something from one of our previous week's debates but uh judith polger who is uh, probably the best female chess player in in the history of chess was awarded an honorary doctorate from the university of physical education in budapest essentially declaring that chess is a sport according to a university of sport. So um, I feel like this university has kind of settled our debate for us here. Sorry. And how did they determine this? Um, how did they determine to give her an honorary doctorate? It's an honorary doctorate. They give it to people who they think deserve it. But it's a sports university gave it to a chess player. Sorry, so it's a sports university. What does that mean? It's a university of physical education is the name of it. The University okay. of Physical Education in Budapest. So, so to me, that's not really a sports thing because they give doctorates to people who might not even play a sport but might be a coach, right? I mean, she's she's also a, she's not involved in any. She's also a commentator 
on chess, but only chess. No, but I'm just saying, like, listen, this, the University of Sports, of whatever it is, the Budapest Physical Education, the people that go there aren't athletes. The people that go there are learning about athletics and sport and competition, right? I, I, I didn't look at their curriculums. Okay. I'm assuming they don't go there and they just like, we're, oh, you know, curriculum number one, like first, first semester is hockey and football and you're learning to play these sports. Like that doesn't make sense. It's not a sports camp. It's no, for I PhD people so. learning about stamina and how that might reduce as you play basketball versus chess or something. So like to me, I don't think that settles anything. To me that. Well, why would they give it to someone if it weren't related to their field, right? If it weren't about physical education. Because it's good PR. Why did people give, like, doesn't Shaq have a, like, a doctorate or something? A, an honorary doctorate from somewhere and something? I don't know. I don't it's think like, it's on, I think he actually, because I remember he got his master's just from going to school. Yeah. I think, but I, I don't know I don't if think he did a was, doctorate. My point I is, think, people give away honorary degrees all the time, and most of the time, it is purely for, we want to build a relationship with this person, either because it's good PR, it brings attention to the school, it might bring in more money, more funding, it normally has nothing to do with, uh, I won't say nothing to do with, but often that's the case, let's say. So I, I'll do some research into it, but to me that settles nothing. Wow. Okay. And the other, I, I got one more, and then, uh, yeah, I got, I was going to say I have two more, but I think the other one can go into complaints and grievances. But um, this is going to be interesting. I'm going to endorse a product on this, which I'm not being paid by Don to say this, but... Dawn Platinum Power Spray may be one of the, like, peak achievements of, of mankind. Humanity? Yeah, this is one of, I'm going to say, have you ever seen commercials for it? It's just the spray, you spray it on, you leave it for a bit, you wipe it off, wipe stuff I, off. I don't just, watch commercials, so no. Okay. It's, it's just a cleaning thing, and in the commercial, like, someone has a lasagna tray. Uh, also, I point, <laughs> I'm just going to point out, it's always a lasagna tray for these sorts of things where it's just like, oh, no, it's gunked on it. It's going to take forever to wipe it off. They always show it on a lasagna tray. And, and note on that, how often do you eat lasagna? Okay, this is what I'm going to say. I made lasagna from scratch, and I had a gross gunked on lasagna tray where I cooked the lasagna. Half of it was left over, so it went into the fridge, then back into the oven the next day. So half of it was just like an empty, like mostly empty tray where little bits of it got even more baked on. In the commercial, like all they do is they like spray it on, they leave it for like five minutes, and then they wipe it with a paper towel and it comes away. Exact, exactly what happened in real life. Wow. I'm not joking. This was, I was so amazed. I was pacing around the apartment and I called Rachel to let her know how amazing this product was. Like she was in the middle of something and I had to interrupt whatever it was to let her know that Dawn Platinum Power Spray is liquid magic. Whatever scientists Dawn Platinum Power Spray. Whatever scientists Dawn has working on this, we need them working on a cure for COVID because they can do anything. I believe in these people more than any other people that I've ever heard of. Okay, so you clearly made a lasagna recently. When was the last time before did you eat a lot of lasagnas? I do not. I mean, uh, okay. Rachel's family makes lasagna a little bit more often, but I'm not usually cleaning up lasagna after that. But now that yeah. I'm making pasta like once a week, lasagna felt like a, a natural evolution there. Fair. I, I, I maybe have lasagna like twice a decade, like legitimately. So like, sounds like a good product, but like, I agree. I was thinking, yeah, why is it always lasagna? I'm like, do people just eat lasagna like every day? Like, I don't no, know. It's because like it, when you make lasagna... 
I, I guess you haven't made lasagna in a long time. That that tray that you're that you're cleaning, that is a really difficult to clean thing. That is like one of the top pain in the ass to clean products. Is is uh, is after you've made lasagna. I wonder if maybe that's why I don't eat lasagna. Like maybe I made it once and I was like, oh, this sucks. I'm never making lasagna again and just done. So this was something where I probably would have taken me like 40 minutes with steel wool in order to get it as clean as it took me from zero effort, just wiping it with literally just a paper towel and just came away as, as if it, it, it were nothing. Well, it was, it is, I, I will, I, I gotta say, Remember how dad used to, to say that when you're watching commercial to try and spot the lie in the commercial because every commercial lies? Yeah. This commercial for Dawn Platinum Power Spray, zero lie. Exact replica of my experience in real life. Impressive. Impressive. I'll, I'll say this. I'm wondering if there's a co-marketing opportunity. Like, you know, people sell lasagna. Buy this lasagna. Get 20% off your Dawn. Buy the pasta sheets and the ricotta. Yeah, exactly. There's just like right next to it is Dawn Platinum Power Spray. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, even though knowing how stupid people are eating detergent and soap, I'm I'm afraid they'll put it in the lasagna. <laughs> I I would not recommend it. Yes, but I'll I'll say this: not that I, I first of all, when you endorse a product, I was going to like Barking Crib, your source for all uh, baby and dog needs, apparel matching apparel for dogs. No, that's not what it was, obviously. But that's I was hopeful. Um, I'll say this: Aaron does love one product, just to, since we're giving out endorsements which is Mr. Clean Clean Freak. She does love that shit. It's like a cleaning spray that um, you can hold it down, you know, like most sprays you have to keep hitting the spray. I don't know whether it's compressed oh, or so what, it, but you hold like it. It's like automatic instead of semi-automatic yeah. fire. And I'll say this, like, I do think it does a good job of, of cleaning. Again, I'm not a clean freak, so I, I can't judge, but there is something oddly satisfying about it continuous. its continuous spray. Like, it, it's very... It's just like how... Aaron bought some toothpaste and it didn't foam up because it was like natural or whatever. And I was like, ugh, I'm not motivated to like, it's so not satisfying to brush my teeth. And there's all these little quirks that products put in to make it more addictive. Not even if it makes it better, like the, the foaming doesn't make it any better. Same with like shampoo and all that, but it makes it satisfying. Just like how, like there's so much research that goes into car doors closing the sound that it makes, like what, what feeling it gives you. And that's how I felt with this clean spray. I was like, I do like cleaning more with it. I'm not even going to say it makes it does a better job cleaning, but I'm like, it is more enjoyable to clean when you're just like, and it just keeps going. You're like, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I bet you it's not just good for the feedback that, you know, people's experience, but people probably use more of it. So they're probably selling even more because they're like, yeah, if they can just hold it down and it keeps going, there's nothing to tell them to stop. They're just going to go until, until they're just like, everything's coated. For sure. And that's uh, like, there's a thing that I uh, always say, which is like, I'm very cynical. And so there, I'm always wondering like, why is a company trying to fuck me or lie to me or, or get me to buy more of something that I don't need? Which again, like I get it. That is their profit. Like they're trying to make money. Um, nothing quote unquote wrong with that. If it's like a good product and doesn't harm the environment. But yeah, there's always, uh, you know, I do think they're always trying to like, I want to say like, find out how do we make them use more. The one that I was telling Erin about because she got her laser eye surgery a bit ago was eye drops, that apparently the amount of drop that comes out of an eye drop is physically too much to even fit in your eyeball. Your eyeball can only soak up so much liquid. And so you actually use up something like, you waste half the eye drop because it runs down your face. So if you've ever put in eye drops and half of it's run down your face, it's not you. It's literally they have developed the, the dropper to be intentionally too large. 
Yeah, that's a lot of uh, drug dosing is works on that same principle where it's just not not the correct amount. You yeah, and again, down that. clean freak, okay, if I use a little more, it's like, oh no, my house is too clean. Like, I'm sure it's still not good for the environment, but it's not that bad. But like, when you're manipulating drug prices that people need, I feel, yeah, that one's a little, that one I don't like so much. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, and you know what, my other, my other quick hit I'll save for complaints and grievances. Uh, so let's move on to... The uh, you want to do the intro for stupid conversation? Stupid conversation of the week. There we go. I was waiting for the for the trumpets. Um, so our stupid conversation for this week is the best practical superpower. So you're still you. You're still in your life. You don't become a superhero. You just have to like be Josh Lipton person, but you have like an extra little thing to help you out. And you got to choose what would be the absolute best superpower in just day-to-day life. Yeah, well, you... well first I want to start by saying, like, most super... I actually recently had a job interview where it asked me what superpower I could be. I'm probably not getting the job because I feel like they were just asking for, like, oh, let's, like, flying or this or, like, something. But, like, I was like, all those are stupid. Like, you don't want to be super strong. All your friends are just, like, what is the goal of that? You're just going to be like, hey, can you help me move into my apartment? Like... Most superpowers, when you actually think about it, suck. I have no intention of being a celebrity or saving the world or anything. So almost all superpowers are useless for that. And I also wrote in it, like, even if you did have it, like, if you could fly or read minds, like, what is to say, like, the Chinese government or something isn't going to try and kidnap you and do terrible experiments to try and find out and use you as a super weapon? Like, I'm like, no, none of that. I want, I want a superpower which can be hidden and can be used just to, to slightly improve my life. So when I was younger, my I, I did think of one. It's a terrible one, but I thought it was funny, which was the ability to control my hair growth. Okay, yours is so <laughs> close to mine. My, okay, you, want, you want me to say what mine is? Because mine's kind of yours. Sure, that's, that's not my new one. No, I have a new one. That's the one I used to say for years when people would ask me, what's your superpower? Everyone would give real answers, and I'd be like, control my hair. Because, like, oh, I want a haircut? Boom, don't need to. My hair is perfect, and it's, like, sucked into my head. Or, or no, I, I need to get away. Grow a beard. Boom, beard grown. <laughs> okay, when, when you hear what mine is, you're going to be partly sold on mine already. So I want to hear what your current one is, and then I'll get into mine. My current one is the ability to just like super charisma. I don't know how to describe it. Just like, just a little bit more charismatic. The ability so like, to win friends and influence people. Basically that. Like, just like you're, you're, you're in sales, you're talking to someone. People are just like, I don't know why. I like you. Sure, let's do this deal. <laughs> you know, just like random shit where like people just like you and they like, you know, you do something. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to like cut you off. And they're like. Eh, it's okay. That guy seems nice. Like, just no matter what happens, just people are like, this guy's cool. Like, that's that would be the best superpower. Just be like, a little bit better. Like, uh, and and I don't think it would be so obvious that like it would change your life. Like for real, it's just gonna be like you don't get into petty, petty arguments. You probably are a little more successful in your in your social life and your work life, and you know it just gets rid of a little bit of the, the hiccups that uh arise in day-to-day life so yeah that's mine that's that's pretty good that's uh i think that'd be really useful i don't think anyone would question it because everyone would be affected by it so no one would be like why do people like this guy because they would be influenced by you too in order to be like yeah i get it yeah it'd be funny though if like 
dogs knew it and they just always are barking at me. It's like humans love me, but like animals don't or something. And they're like, something's wrong with this too. He's fucked. There's something wrong. You with fucked him. with squirrels, Morty. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Honestly, I was like, is there going to be something like that? But uh, yeah, so that's my power. Okay. I, I think that's a pretty good power. Mine is kind of like the all encompassing version of the control hair. It's just complete control over your own body. You're experiencing allergies. Allergens aren't actually harmful to you. You just oh. tell your body, stop being annoyed by allergens. And it stops having an allergic reaction. You want to control your hair growth, your nail growth? Perfect. Just, you know, if you want a completely new haircut, you either grow it out more, or if it's something shorter, you shave it all off, and you just grow out the hair that you want. Same with your nails. I mean, if you want to lose weight on demand, you just tell your body to increase metabolism of certain things. You want to stimulate muscle growth, you just... Let out the hormones that stimulate muscle growth. You want to fall asleep now and wake up in eight hours, and you want all of your sleep to be REM sleep, so you're the most rested possible. On-demand sleep. You want to, you know... That's pretty you, good. You stub your toe, you don't want to feel pain, you shut off the, the pain receptors. You want to you wanna feel like you're high, just stimulate dopamine and serotonin production. You got a high with no hangover for any time, any duration, then it stops. Control over your own body. These are all things that the body does, but you don't have control over. Just giving you conscious control over all the things that your body does. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a winner. That is the right answer. <laughs> I, I just think I love just, it. I love it so much because first off, it just started with allergies because I was like, Same. I'm so I was like, with allergies because they're, they're no threat were... to my body, but my body's acting like overreacting and being a drama queen. If I could yeah. just tell my body to stop. Everything would be better. I think that's funny because I, I literally think, like, when you said that, it's like, is he saying a superpower G is just not having allergies? And then he's like, oh, no, that's a pretty good one. I, <laughs> it's true. My allergies have been killing me lately, so I would, I would love that superpower. I'm, I, I mean, I did. I literally switched to Blacks. Man, we are, we are endorsing drug companies and P&G. We're not in, we, 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 we gave our, our thing about drug companies before. We're, we're right. saying that this well, drug is a slightly better drug, but drug companies fair. in general are shitty. Anyway, yes, I switched to Blexton. I can, I'll give you my review of that next week. <laughs> Just a question about your superpower. If you actually get drunk, like for real, could you screw up your body? So like you're meaning to do one thing, but because you're inebriated, you actually don't know what you're doing and you can... I'm just trying to think like how the negatives of it. So that, yeah, you could probably fuck up your body somehow, but it's being like, yeah, I want to stimulate like bone growth and you end up with like an arm that's disfigured. <laughs> But, like, you could probably even that out by being like, let me grow this other bone in the same amount. And then, like, you just keep – I would just say don't do anything too big. Just know your limits uh, about how, how much you want to change stuff, and you'll do fine. Because that is, um, like, the first thing I thought was, like, oh, yeah, that is a nice one that can't get too far. And then I thought, wait a second. What if you're a – like, then I'm just like, what if you're a psychopath and you have this – are you just going to be like – body grow 600 feet tall and he's just gonna start smashing the world or something like that well, here's know. here's what i'm going to say you can't pr for anything like this that you need to do you have to like eat so much like you just have to have constant gatorade <laughs> to give you like electrolytes and energy because like these things like growing your hair if you have to increase that rate you got to give yourself more nutrients in order to do that and more uh, so the more downsides are the cost of all the vitamins you're buying yeah, no, you just need to buy so many vitamins to, like, make up for this, or you need to, like, be very much into superfoods. But here's the thing. You can trick your brain into thinking it tastes so much better. 
because like all of that's that just true. electrical you just tell your no i want this to take taste like uh like pizza even though it's it's like some nasty root veggie thing where it's just like yeah these hey, leaves don't so, rip on root veggies baby i know i like root veggies but like let's say you're just like yeah i'm just chewing on like a leaf here and it's a really <laughs> tough leaf because it's so high in vitamins but yeah. like you can just tell your brain no make this make this like taste pizza. like like a banana or an apple or a, a or, or a tasty root vegetable like a carrot instead of a nasty root vegetable like parsnip which we're going back to <laughs> i'll say it's a pretty I, it's a pretty good one Going. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I I think that that was. Uh, I I've been thinking about this one for a while. Like I'm I'm not joking. That's been on my mind. How much it would be great to just be like, I I I own this body and now I know how to do everything with it. But um, yeah, I think charisma is also charisma is a good one too. Yeah, I don't know. I it's, I also didn't put more like subtle. too much out. Yeah, that's why. Well, I was just thinking about it because I mean it's not like we're. I'm out there talking to people all the time now. Um, but someone was like just being a bit of a jerk the other day when we were driving somewhere. And I was just like, would have been nice if the person was just like, sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm always trying to be, I'm trying to be very, like assume the best of everyone and assume, you know what? Maybe that person, he's a jerk. Not he's a jerk. Maybe he had a bad day. Maybe he's having a rough time. Maybe his wife's, got COVID and he's stressed out. And so it's not his fault. So I, I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I try to, you know, but I'm like, what if everyone was like that? I guess that was like the, the, the logical leap. It's like, what if everyone thought that about me? Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, that would be nice. All right. You want to move on to uh, our debate for the week? Let's do it. All right. So our debate for this week is about two NFL franchises or either one of them, the, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Should the NFL for just move one of those or both of those franchises to another city such as Mexico City or London, England? Um, how are we going to determine sides? I have very strong opinions on this one. So you pick your side if you have very strong opinions. Also, I did a little research, but my research, when we originally discussed, you said London. So it was almost purely based on London. I can adapt it for Mexico City. But it does change some of my arguments. <laughs> I, I mean, mine is just should they... It does, for, for my argument, it doesn't matter which one. I just think the Chargers should be moved. I am a okay, Chargers good. fan. I, I've been a fan of the Chargers since, oh, five, I want to say. 15 years, I think, now. Um, they were in uh, San Diego. Now they're in Los Angeles. Um, and that's a terrible... It was a bad move. I mean, it's not like San Diego was, was like, the, the perfect city for them. I just think Los Angeles definitely isn't because the Chargers are not drawing fans. They're not. They're in a city with another team. The other team is successful, and Los Angeles as a city does not give a fuck about the Chargers. I'm not going to mince words. They That's do not true. give a fuck. Um, they are currently drawing the fewest uh, home attendance around 25,000 people a game, whereas the league average is 66,000 for the average team. Also, a lot of those people that they're drawing are from other cities because they know... Like, there, there have been a whole bunch of games where there looks like there's more Steelers fans than Chargers fans in Los Angeles. I mean, Melvin Gordon was talking about playing in front of empty stadiums, and he says, I'm used to it. I played for, for the Chargers. They don't have home fans line. anyways. That was a great line. Yeah. So over their eight home games, if you have like a 25,000 attendance per game, that's 200,000 people. 
So I'm going to just say that London, I'll go with first. London plays four games a year, so half a season already. That's most of the way. Over their four games attendance last year, they drew 289,000 fans. They, they drew like 45, not 45%, yeah, 45% more fans than the Chargers did in, in half. half as many games. Okay? The highest attended Chargers home game of 2019 was in Mexico City. The highest attended Chargers home game of 2018 was in London. Move them to one of those two cities. They have no attendance. Nobody cares. The London stadiums they play at have huge attendance. Mexico City isn't even in another time zone if you, if you want to put it there. So it's, it's not going to create huge logistics issues. Just, just, just move them. And if you want to move the Jags, one of the things you can say is the Jags have played one game a year in London for the past seven years. So like they already have like an established sort of rapport with the city. So if you want to move the Chargers to Mexico City and you feel like moving the Jags as well, you can throw them to London. But just move the Chargers anywhere. Just move them away from Los Angeles where the people don't give a shit. They're not going to draw fans, and they're just going to you know, be a squandered franchise. And I won't be able to watch their games because they don't sell out enough. And I just won't be able to watch their games on TV. Okay. Well, here's my counterpoints. So, one, the NFL makes the vast majority of their money more than any other sports uh, league from national TV deals, which means that Home attendance actually makes a very small impact on your financials at the end of the day. Um, I think it's like 80 plus percent of revenue comes from national TV deals. Which is why, again, this year, they're actually the team that gets hit the least by the the COVID situation. If they play out in empty stadiums, it actually does not. Obviously, it impacts everyone. And I'm sure there's going to be a ripple effect where, you know, concessions and maybe even though people... They're not losing revenue from going to the games. Maybe you could say people are less pumped about it, so they're buying less gear online. Again, that's it's hard to make that statement definitive, but that's one, as opposed to baseball, which is fucked. Again, I'm a huge baseball fan. Slight tangent here. They can't seem to get on the same page. They make the most of their money from in-stadium as opposed to the other leagues, and they're also the they oldest. The most home games is one of the They have the most home games, yeah. and... It's still half the games, though. But they also are the league with the oldest fans. And as I said to my friend, I said, you know, old old people aren't doing too well in COVID. And if it's gone for a year and a half, you're not going to be able to get the young fans going. So I think if I was, if you could buy or sell each of the leagues in a stock, I would say buy NBA, hold, uh, hold NFL, and sell MLB. Like I think MLB is it's it's gonna really hurt their business. I think. Um, what about uh, NHL? I would maybe hold them to maybe sell them. I I think they're in this buy hold sell thing. But I think the clear winner is the NFL. Uh, the NBA. The NFL is probably middle ground. They do gain some, but I also think the violence is like they already have some downward trends, uh, hurting them. Um, so yeah. But back to this specific thing. Um, so why do I think you should move to London slash Mexico City? So one, with this pandemic, it's made it clear that, you know, sending 55 players plus 20 staff plus this many coaches, sending all those people in a plane to another country with a pandemic situation is probably not a good idea. Okay. I think we're going to see more and more of the world 
is going to it's going to be harder and harder to justify huge expenses like that, uh, especially with the health risks. And then also, I think that this pandemic situation is going to start showing a blueprint for teams how they can make more of their money from uh, out of game revenue. I think it's going to matter less and less where teams play and more how you can monetize the team in other ways. So I read an article, it's probably like 10 or 15 years old. It's a guy who's a sports philosopher. I'm not kidding, like that's what his title is or something. A futurist, sports futurist, I think it was. He wrote an article all about the future of baseball in this case, and it was, you know, people don't really go to the stadium anymore. The stadium's much smaller, but there's exclusive camera, uh, camera angles you can get that make it like a VR experience so it feels like you're in certain spots on the field. So maybe it makes you feel like you're in the dugout so you can see that angle and you can get that sense. Or maybe you're up in the bleachers. You can get these different angles which are exclusive. And so instead of just watching the game like normal, you'd actually be able to feel like you're there. Uh, but it's another way to monetize because you got to pay extra for these specific camera angles to make you feel like that. Um, so I thought that was an interesting idea. But yeah, I, I think that... I agree that the Chargers don't draw a lot of fans, um, but I think like they're still doing fine. Would I like to see them move? Yeah, I don't think that Mexico City or London's needed. And the other reason, actually, I'll, I'll save my final reason. I'll, I'll let you rebut now. Um, I'll say that for for London, I can kind of understand some of the travel stuff because, I mean, that's a much longer flight than any of the others. But Mexico City is actually not that big of an increase of travel time required in order to make that work compared to keeping them in Los Angeles. It's not all that far. Um, and that that's really my, my only rebuttal. I mean, my only other rebuttal would be if you're basing it on TV contracts, um, you know, I feel like it'd be interesting to see what type of TV contract you'd get for a team in Mexico City. What their TV deal would be compared to it being Los Angeles. Because it, it might be, Mexico's a, if, if you only have one team in, in a country, you probably get a larger portion of, I mean, you, your, your fan base extends beyond just the one city, I would say. So for London, you'd probably have not just London fans, you'd have fans from other parts of England. And for Mexico City, you'd have fans from other parts of Mexico. So I think your TV revenue would not be so greatly decreased. Or, or maybe would be increased. I don't know the numbers on that. So, um, But yeah, that's my only other rebuttal. I mean, Mexico City would not be a huge uh, transportation increase. And there's a chance that you'd get increased TV revenues as well as growing your market internationally. And yeah, that that's my general thoughts on it. Okay, so, rebut- so one, again, when I came up to the bit, I only was thinking London. Because like one... The time zone, I think, is a big deal. I know that every time I'm playing fantasy football, if you're on the West Coast and there's a team in London, here I'm like, I, our commission always sends out, remember to, like, lineup started at 8 o'clock or whatever, London time, and then if you're on the West Coast, it's like 5 in the morning, it's like, yeah, pretty inconvenient. So originally that was my thing, but yes, Mexico City is better because I, I am pro-moving the Chargers. I guess my logic was, but not there, somewhere in North America. So then we can go back to the Mexico City one. Okay, so why not Mexico City? So again, they make most of their money on a TV revenue deal. Even if there's tons of people that watch, 
you have to think the current way that most of the uh, money gets made from a TV deal is through commercials, right? How much are you willing to spend to reach a certain number of people who will spend a certain number of amount of money? People in U.S., like reaching a thousand people in the U.S. is probably worth a lot more than reaching a thousand viewers on TV in Mexico. I don't know the exact numbers. If it's 20% more, 50% more, 10 times more, no idea. But it, and I also think when you go there three or four times a year, once a year, or twice a year, it's special. It's like, oh, we got to go there. If it, when it's there all the time, I think it becomes less special. And I think you will see viewership and the amount of number of people go down. That's my opinion. Can't prove it. But I think that the, when it becomes the norm, I think fewer people would go. But because it's special, because it's a once or twice a year thing, I think people really say, I got to go see it. Um, what, what I'll say for for London is they're they're still London's moved up to four games a year for the past couple of years. So that's a lot, a pretty big increase from when they did it one once a year, and they're still averaging like eighty five thousand fans, which is above the standard league. For sure, I think it, yeah. I think it would be the only team in the league that would draw higher attendance than London over that average would be the Cowboys. So even if there is a drop of let's say fifteen thousand, you're still above the average team attendance. That's true. Now, also, that's a huge stadium. I don't think anywhere else, in, like the, the the size of Wembley Stadium, I'm pretty sure, is bigger than every stadium everywhere else. So No, because they... um, it's, it's also that they play they play two at Wembley and two at the new Tottenham Hotspur um, Stadium, which also, I find that interesting that they play at different stadiums in, in London, so I guess different neighborhoods get the, but would the they sense even, of it. Like, and here's, again... It's a real question. I don't know the answer. Would they be able to play there full time? Or would they need their own stadium? Because then you also have to justify the cost of building a new stadium. And I don't. How- I think that they, they could, because, I mean, if they can fit four games across two stadiums, they might have different state. They, they might spread it out where they play four games at Wembley and four games at Tottenham. But I think that you'd be able to fit eight games there plus playoffs. Fair. I'm also still thinking... Is there any other team that plays half their home games in one location, half them in another? Like, if they're a real team, like, it would still feel weird, right? I think it might feel weird, but, I mean, even though there was, I, I think that, remember that, last might, that year? might be a, a part-time thing until they say, hey, can we work out a contract to have one of these stadiums as our primary stadium? Because right now they're, they're, they're piecing it together year by year because they don't yes. have it as a permanent thing. But if they moved, I'm sure that they'd make it contingent on yeah. the move that they have a, a stadium contract. By the way, do you remember that proposal last year about Tampa Bay saying they want to play half their games in Tampa Bay, half in Montreal? I do remember. Um, yeah. That's... Just because we said it's playing half the games. It's like everyone's a, that's weird. I, I know this is both in London, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not, I guess I'm not totally sold on it, but I'm also totally not against it. I do think they're saying, hey, we have so much of the market saturated here in North America. Um, like, are we done the debate? Um, yeah, I, I, okay, cause, I, I'm done. I, I'm kind of in between. I actually am not like against the moving. I think London would be a strange move, but I think their logic is when you've done everything you can here, you need like, even if it's a loss leader, even if it breaks, even if, it, even if it's not, if it's great, if it builds up more of a base, in Europe, 
maybe you can, maybe you start doing multiple teams there. You know, I, I think their goal is we can't really grow any more, much more in the U.S. In fact, I think they've kind of tapped out their potential. The, the only other way they can make more, re- like, there's no way to gain more fandom. The only way now is to gain more revenue. So maybe they can say, okay, let's cut all our deals with um, uh, with TV companies. Like, this might be the future. This is just what I'm saying. People are cutting their cable packages. Maybe they say, let's go directly to everyone. Let's say, if you want to watch the NFL, you have to sign up for NFL nfltv.com or or zone or whatever ticket. it is yeah. was it sunday ticket well no cuz sunday tickets on your tv i'm saying what's an over the over the uh, air Internet, streaming service uh, red pass or red zone red zone, red zone. Or whatever it's called so red zone or the zone or whatever it is and they're saying rather than making you know a couple bucks from each subscriber from the cable company let's sell it directly to everyone and we'll sell it for you know 100 bucks a month or whatever it is or 50 bucks a month and we can make way more revenue there. But I think there's no way to get more fandom in North America, except maybe there's some in Canada, maybe some in Mexico, but the U.S. is tapped out, so they can make more revenue. So I think I think if they're really, really aggressive, they can go there, but I also just see, like, I see people wanting football less and less. I think the violence has taken a bit of a toll. I think people are... Um, I again, I think the XFL is clearly done and it's not coming back. But I think that it experimented and said, you know, there's some rules in the NFL that are not so good. Let's see if we can try it out. And I don't know. I'm, I don't think that expansion, uh, moving a team maybe. But I think that to me, moving a team across the country or sorry to Mexico or to London is a precursor to expansion. And that's the only reason really to do it is to try to get more people there hyped about it so you can get more stadiums there. And I don't think expansion, I feel like 32, maybe I'm wrong. I don't see that being like, what are we going to go 40? Like, I, I, I just feel like we, we tapped out the potential, but that's my two cents. Yeah. Okay. Um... My apologies if there's any background noise there. It's, uh, again, we got two dogs here, so that's life now. It's a dog's life. The dog's life. All right, um, let's move on to complaints and grievances. Do you have any complaints, grievances? Yeah, this I week? mean, my allergies suck, but other than that, I'm good. Yeah, trees, stop stop it. Come on. Don't be a dick. <laughs> How about you? You got anything? Yeah, I've got, um... I've got one complaint which is going to be very familiar, which is I finished watching um the the seasons three and four of the show Money Heist. Um and it's it's still bad and still very stupid, but I've come to understand it. I know what it is and I've I think it's it's helped me a bit. Money Heist is not a heist show. That's just that's just the wrapping that it's in. What it is, it's a it's a soap opera. Not just a soap opera; it's it's a telenovela. So, like when you think of a Spanish language soap opera, where they're super, super over the top, even more than most soap operas, it's one of those. That's all it is. It's that, but but plus occasional bank stuff, which is like maybe five percent of the importance, whereas ninety five percent of the importance is just Spanish language soap opera stuff. That's what it is. I like how it took you four seasons, which is probably how many hours. Like forty hours to learn that. <laughs> like well, I knew I that. Figured I, mean... it, I figured it out part way through season okay. three, and I was like, oh, "Okay, now now I understand why why this is so bad as a heist show." 
because yeah, the things that work for a heist are not the things that would work for for a Spanish language soap opera. And since then, I've seen a ton new shows with the same actors by the same people show up on Netflix. And guess what? None of them have to do with heist. One I think is called like Elite. It takes place in a in a preppy boarding school. Yet, despite the fact that it has nothing to do with the same, like one's a heist, one's a preppy boarding school, they feel the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I get it's it. I, I agree with you. It's a telenovela. Now, whether that's a complaint, lots of people like telenovelas. Yeah, but I I don't. <laughs> I really don't. The closest thing to a soap opera that I like is Twin Peaks, and I love Twin Peaks, but um, that's its its own category. That's its own thing. I don't think you can really. I don't think Twin Peaks and anything else can be really put in the same box. But that's a, that's a side thing. Uh, my uh, my other complaint for for this is I we kind of kind of solved it the past two weeks, but I still want to have it as a complaint. Um, is our debate section, which is if you feel really strongly about one side and then you're assigned to the other side kind of sucks right if you're just like oh i don't agree with anything i say but now i'm stuck for the next 20 minutes having to like very forcefully depend de- yeah. defend p- positions which i do not feel strongly about at all because i i it just kind of it kind of sucks that way i mean the past couple of weeks we've just kind of settled into our, our positions a little bit more easily but mm-hmm. sometimes I mean, when we had the um, originator versus populator debate, yeah, I, that that was one where we were both so in agreement. So I feel like for our debate section, we should kind of move it more towards a a discussion section and uh, stuff where we can each find a way to only be bringing something that we really strongly defend. I've got an idea well, for for the debate for next week, which we'll we'll talk about at the end of the episode. That yeah. I hope. Uh, that I hope kind of corrects that, but that's my that's my other complaint. You've yeah, had a complaint about uh, about <sighs> the pod where you said complaints and grievances should be pushed back to later in the episode. Yeah, we fixed that. I think it it does work better. Um, this is my complaint about the pod. And and I agree with you. I've thought the same thing. Now I don't I don't think it needs to be something where you feel super strongly because like today's debate I thought was interesting, but I see both sides. So I think it's we can you can have an opinion. But you don't have to hold it strongly. And, you know, my opinion is I don't think they should move to London. But I can see some interesting points on both sides. So I'd like, I almost like debating both sides. So I, I agree discussion is maybe a little bit better um, way of putting it. It allows you to, you to kind of have a more interesting uh, conversation, I think. Yeah. And right, more, so. more, more, more true. You know, you're not just saying like, I will defend this position till the day I die. Okay. Debate over. Yeah. It's complete bullshit. Yeah. Cause I remember for the original, for one of them, I was the second that it was over. I'm like, are we, are we done the debate? Do I have to stop? Okay. I did not agree with a single thing that I remember saying I, I, I didn't agree with a single thing I said. And I felt like I kind of undermined things yeah. but at the same time. I, I like, I couldn't continue to well, defend. You, you did a great job of lying to the listeners. <laughs> yeah that's because i have that superpower I, of just natural it. charisma yeah exactly <laughs> so charismatic master assassin okay it's it's i kind of feel like now we're describing like my D character okay he's an assassin he's got very high charisma trait that's kind of yeah that's that's how i feel being master assassin king of charisma Too nerdy. Okay, I, no, I, I no, see where no, the lines sorry, are drawn sorry. now. No, I see, no, I see where the border is. Not at all. I just got a message. 
It's from Arendt. It was about when we were talking earlier about the uh, magic clean, uh, the uh, clean freak, that, that spray. Yeah. She texted me and she said, you can also spray it upside down. <laughs> wow. Okay. That is, that's really impressive because you, you ever find something, you're spraying something, you find like the, the, the straw isn't in the liquid, so it's not drawing anything. So you got to exactly. hold it a different... This, exactly. This you can spray at any angle. I'm telling you, this is, it is space technology. Exactly, it's true. We put a man on the moon, and we have Clean Freak. What a world! Clean what Freak. Okay, I, I will. I will put it on my list of cleaning products to own. I wanna. I wanna eventually just have a a murderer's row of cleaning products. I'll have my Dawn Platinum Power Wash spray. I'll have my Clean Freak. I'll just. I'll just have. If I need to go to something, I'll know that whatever tool I've got, boom. There you go. Mess instantly gone. Send send this to the people at Dawn and ask them to send you a free bottle. Then I feel like I'm actually selling out because then I'm benefiting. Right now I'm saying this because I think people should know about Dawn Platinum Power Wash for the sake of their own benefit, right? This isn't for my benefit. <laughs> I think people could could hear this and be like, oh, okay, that's something that's helpful. Then try it and, and you know, benefit from it. If I'm personally benefiting from it, then I feel like then, then I've sold out rather than, you know, trying to be of genuine help. This might be a perfect transition to the movie of the week, which is Contagion. Speaking of someone who's not doing something for the good of people, but selling out instead of something they truly believe in, which is referencing Jude Law's character. He's uh, such, a, such a piece of shit. But what, first a, of all, what, what, what a work that guy is. Yeah, wow. so Contagion. So this movie is from 2011. I originally saw it in university in theaters. How about yourself? Was this the first time seeing it or did you? This is my first. I didn't realize that you'd already seen it. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, we're, I thought usually the movie of the week is we're trying to assign something the other person hasn't seen. So that way, this was the opposite because you, I assigned it to, to, and I hadn't seen it, and you had. I know, but a you can it can be a movie you haven't seen, haven't seen it in a while. You think it's like I think this movie is. I saw it, but I saw it with new eyes today. I was seeing it differently, obviously due to the current situation. Or it could just be something again you haven't seen in a while, and now you want to, like. You know, maybe you saw a movie as a kid. We saw Stripes many times, but like seeing it as an adult is different. Uh, that yes. one, there wasn't much there, even though there wasn't much more to dig in there. There wasn't many more layers here. I think there's going to be more layers. So um, I guess it's your first time seeing it. So what were your initial thoughts? I thought this was I thought it was really interesting because as much as you've got, you know, Lawrence Fishburne and Matt Damon, the main character for this movie is a, is is the virus itself? It's not about. Any I literally movie. just said that to Aaron. We were talking about it today, and I literally said that. <laughs> and that makes it so interesting as a thriller because the the thrill isn't you know uh you know the individual no it's it's about the global situation development which I think probably was why it it wasn't the hu- the biggest success just because that's such a weird concept to try and explain to someone and sell someone on on like a poster or in a trailer. Right now, for like an entire population going through it, I feel, I feel very much that that was the way to go with something like this, where it's not, oh, am I going to survive? No, it's, is the species, how is the species going to be affected by it? Which I thought was good and a, the right way to tell this story. So I will note, what a cast, right? I know. It's got it's Matt amazing. Damon, Jude Law, Kate Winslet, Gwyneth Paltrow, Lawrence Fishburne. Um, Marianne awesome. Cotillard. Yes, Elliot Gould, and the number one guy... Dimitri Martin? Dimitri Martin. No, I, I loved I, it. I, we I we do, didn't even I, mention, what's her name? Uh, Jennifer, Jennifer 
Elne, I can't remember the the woman that he works with in the lab, who's way more important of a character in in, in the movie. But yeah. the fact that it was Dimitri Martin, the second I saw him, I'm like, yes, instant win. <laughs> Jennifer L's not like she's. I mean, she's a good actress. Oh, forget that. She, I was thinking only big names. Brian Cranston. Yeah, yeah, as the general, absolutely. Yeah. And there's a lot of also like character actors. I'll say where she like I recognize like the guy who's the accountant from Dark Knight. Like I said, yeah. I'm good with numbers. Um, there's a couple other characters where I'm like, I know that actor. I've seen him a million times. It is quite the cast. I'll say that quite, quite the cast. Quite the uh, cast. Um, I thought it was really, I was, I was, I, I'm, I'm going to go over individual things before I go to my, my main big takeaways. I thought the way that showed like the initial discovery through, you know, how you, you know, grow it to try and get a vaccine, the, the steps that are taken, the spreading of the information, the way that they try and limit it to these smaller things. I, I just thought it was really interestingly accurate. And I know a lot of movies get, you know, sh- you know, they get in trouble with Neil deGrasse Tyson for lack of scientific authenticity. I feel like this movie would not have gotten like low marks from him on his Twitter account. He probably would have been like, yeah, this is a lot of how science operates and how big global organizations cooperate and talk with each other to try and, solve these sorts of problems and i thought that was really interesting and i thought he they he did a uh, the director steven soderbergh did an excellent pay, way of keeping the pace up by using a lot of these montages of you know them going over information going from place to place trying to collect that the montages didn't feel cheap they felt partly because the music i thought was uh really appropriate for it it kept the pace up kept the information moving and it it, it really told you the information that you needed um yeah i i really liked a lot of that stuff yeah well so i wrote down first of all i did really like it too so funny when i first saw it i thought oh that was a cool movie and it was so sci-fi and like can you imagine that and now it's like again just seeing it from a completely different point of view um and, and again i like that because the actors aren't actually the main character we're talking about how like gwyneth paltrow's in it Again, spoilers ahead, but, like, so quickly she's dead. Like, she's still in it after that, but, like, dies. Boom. There's so many characters that you just, like, either you don't see for most of the movie, they're only in it for a bit, but it ties so many different stories because, again, it's not about each individual's person. It's about this the story of the disease and how it happened and Yeah, and there's where a, it went. a lot of threads that come together to form, like, this larger story, even if the individual threads don't connect to each other at all. Yeah. They help give you this feeling for the for the overall story yeah now i did want to point out some differences and some similarities between our current pandemic and some differences so so some similarities are things like like so one they they mentioned are not which is like the rate at which it spreads right so like are you infecting two people three people like that's the exponential nature so they got that for sure the touch the coughing and the touching people's hands how it spreads uh, the fact that uh air airlines are going to make it a world issue it's not just isolated um they got that right uh they got um you know that they ran out of body bags because we weren't prepared and they're like wrapping people up in garbage bags and there's these mass graves um the fact that there's a part where they say oh china's covering it up they won't show uh you know people didn't want to say when it started or where it started the politics behind it i thought was very powerful i thought that part was really realistic also i mean having a, a, a bat origin as at least part of it exactly was. and even though it wasn't a wet market or an open market it was it was similar 
they were still cross of different species yeah together i also thought i'm I'm going to speak on that that closing scene because that's like the very last scene of the movie yeah i think that that is having having done a little bit more research into this and also having worked on a show which talked about this to some degree and i worked on a show called the hot zone the fact that people human beings are intruding in on natural habitats forcing species together is one of the the leading causes of these of new diseases entering uh the human population is because you've reduced the size of, uh, of a habitat for a species that's forced together with other species and you get these crosses of, of viruses that i thought that was really really accurate and well done and the fact that bats bats are responsible for a lot of this stuff bats are just really man they're, they're not they're not helping us out here <laughs> for sure now yeah first of all that last scene is amazing it's great i really really like it but two two notes no, notes also one i just read a great book it's called uh a bit ago sixth extinction and there's a part in it where it talks about all these invasive species and how often a species would either uh, become extinct or would um become endangered or or sorry extinct no extinct or a um what's the word when a new species an invasive species sorry it's saying the historic rate versus today. And because we are moving so many species out of their natural habitat, there's so many more invasive species now than there ever was. I think it was like 50 times greater, the rate at which there's invasive species or something like that. So, And that does talk about how there's more animals coming into contact with other animals they never would have normally come in contact with. And, you know, that final scene really shows, like, how, you know, the wrong bat mixed with the wrong pig but still, if you had proper hygiene, like just the fact he's getting in that mouth and then shakes the wrong person's hand, like there is potentially way more terrible diseases out there that are always like almost about to happen, but just the right combo doesn't happen. The pig doesn't eat that banana or the bat dies before he eats whatever it is. Like these little things, it's like this chain reaction of the perfect storm of bad things that led to this this pandemic, right? Yeah. Um, but it could always happen. It's always the potential is always out there. But one thing that I think was not as, it was different from this one, obviously, it was, uh, the biggest thing was the death rate, right? Yeah. And that, well, that has to do with the fact that this current uh, pandemic is purely lungs, whereas the other one, it, it attaches in the lungs, and then because it also has a binding protein for the nervous system, it moves towards the, the brain and spine and that sort of stuff. That's just whether or not one more attachment uh, process, one more protein to attach to another cell and that would be the difference between this and that is the big thing for me. I'm just saying, though, it was like because there are now looters and rioters, but that's because of the George Floyd thing, not because of the pandemic. Though there were some small protests coming up because of, oh, you closed the state. We want to get back to work. But obviously, like, I guess it's showing, like, what would happen if this continued? Continued and was also just a lot a lot worse. A lot, and, a lot worse. Uh, yes. my, my comment was, is is the difference in fatality is a significant difference in terms of effect on people, but in terms on on the virus itself, it's a couple base. It's, it's one additional sequence in 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 the in the genetic information. That's the the difference. It's such a small difference sure. in a virus and such a big difference in disease. And then the only other thing I was going to say that was like I didn't like or was a little different was. Okay, one, people would not be doing that. And like, I don't think people are like testing it on themselves, like the woman who did that. Like, that's what yeah, we were saying. Really like, bad choice. Bad really bad choice. choice for so many reasons. We were saying, like, is it, is it, we we're talking about the morality of it because you're like, in some ways, it could save 
hundreds of millions of lives because you're speeding up the process. But in other ways, it's like you're literally taking, you have no idea what the long-term consequences are, like they said in that, and you could be giving people freaking poison that like it vaccinates people, but then gives them cancer and everyone dies five years later. So, like you never know. And it's it's kind of a an interesting medical dilemma. Yeah. Which is dealing with uncertainty, which the medical industry is not made to deal with. Yeah, well, there's you can't perform longitudinal studies where you're examining the effects over the length of a lifetime or in a in a genetic yeah. line when you've got something so dire. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, I, he, I feel he, like we're going to do more thorough studies on COVID than on on what was it? MEV one was what it was called. Yeah, yeah, I think because the fatality rate isn't at twenty percent, and we're, we haven't lost like twenty eight. What was it, 28 million they were at or, or with, with projections of... Open? I know, I checked yesterday and we were at four 400,000, I think. And that was the other thing I was going to say, is the, the speed at which things happen. Like, they were like, we can we can, uh, we can can reproduce it and we can come up with it. Like, everything happens so quickly. I'm here, I'm thinking, like, it's been three months and they're saying, you know, the vaccine might not... Again, I understand it's for dramatic purposes. If it's that bad, you really want to make it... You, you had a story to tell... But, you know, I, I think science normally takes longer. I don't think it, it happens. Uh, yeah, although I, I do think it did a good job of showing, like, the difficulty of growing the virus in that, I mean, it, it just, at first, they couldn't grow it because it killed everything too quickly, which is sometimes a real problem when you're trying to study uh, a pathogen is you need uh, to study it in, in a, a situation where it will grow, but not immediately either, you know, die from the situation that's in or kill everything and, and thus make it useless to study. You need a, like a stable situation in order to study it, which uh, they showed yeah. was a, a problem and, and often is. Yeah, they just did a really good job of showing the messiness and the complexity of science, but without dumbing it down. Uh, I thought they did a really good job of that. I hate it when they're, they're spoon-feeding you things where like none of us understand science. Uh, to that, Most of us aren't virologists and, and, or medical doctors, so I like that they showed the complexity of it and showed how difficult it is without actually explaining in some weird, dumb way like in Star Wars with like metachlorians and trying to explain something that you know we won't I actually hate, understand. I, hate I know. So I like when they say, you aren't going to understand it 100%, but we're giving you the gist of it. Like that, that you, you know what's going on even if you don't understand the science. You can, like that's the beauty of storytelling, I think, is showing people show not tell you know what i mean yeah and you don't have to understand fully to get it so i really like the way they showed science in the movie i i agree um oh and last point and then you can go the the the, the banging the heads between government agencies and and the science community the woman who kept saying i hope you know this is coming out of your budget like the minnesota health official or whatever yeah. who just kept saying stuff like that where like you think about it, no one knows what's up. I get it. Like that is kind of politics, and it but it shows like how negative that is. Like that is all they're thinking of is like their job is they're not scientists. Their job is just to manage the budget with the officials. So I thought they did a good job of showing that. I got I got two other things I want to talk about. First off, we kind of spoke about him at the beginning, but Jude Law's character in this, this is this is an all time piece of shit character. Of uh, this guy as well, just. I I forgot so to mention So terrible. Yeah. The most awful. I, I do I think they do a good job in that in the beginning he looks like he might not be 
like a worst terrible guy but then then we see where this is all going and how he's rather than trying to use the truth to help people he's just oh yeah i can exploit this and try and you know make money by by twisting the truth and promoting misinformation for my own personal benefit and i'm just and obviously nothing huge like that has popped up yet but it has been very prescient in how it's showed the rise of fake news and internet bloggers and how that's kind of usurped the traditional media landscape and how suddenly a regular person who's kind of charismatic can have more weight behind them than a real paper with despite like no research being done into it so i think they showed that and Again, not like the direct comparison, because I don't think they said like, you know, it's not a direct comparison, but like Alex Jones and these other people that are like, you know, using I, this as I an opportunity. So Alex Jones. Yeah. An opportunity to sell vitamins and shit like that. So I, again, I thought that was, thankfully no one's been that bad about it lying, but it's been pretty bad. And the other thing, I, I don't know, here's a question I want to know that you think. Would they say he made in it four and a half million dollars from all this lying? I'm like, is that even worth, like... I'm, I'm a good person, so I wouldn't throw the world under the bus. But I'm thinking, if you're throwing the world under the bus and selling all these drugs, you got to be, ma- like, you're only making Your soul's got to be worth more than that, yeah, right? If I'm going to sell it, I'm going to get market value. I'm killing millions of people and giving them false hope and causing riots for four and a half. I'm thinking, like, if you said a billion dollars, I'm like, okay, there's people out there who I'm sure would do that. But I'm thinking, like, this guy wasn't doing so poorly. And what's four and a- what the hell is four and a half million dollars going to buy you? if the half the world's gone like i don't get it like i don't know it was it was strange to me uh you know i kind of just wish they had said 45 million then i would have been like okay <laughs> i get it yeah, like, especially because what do they say he's got 12 and a half million people who read his thing so he's 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 getting what like 33 cents per per reader at that rate which is not a lot i feel like his monetization levels on on per reader that really but that was actually no it was 12 and a half individuals daily visit his site so you gotta think the people who read his blog it's gotta be a lot more yeah 45 million if you'd said that and he's getting like three million dollars sorry uh three dollars per per individual visitor like yeah okay i can understand that's your profit margin and that's a little bit more believable for how much he's you know marketing off of it like i think that's probably a fair nitpick moral of the story like don't be a bad person but if you are at least have standards (laughs) you know Bernie Madoff at least was going big. Go big or go home. Again, terrible yeah, I mean, person. That's what I'm saying. If you're selling your soul, get market value. Yeah. Right? I agree. It, okay, last comment. Completely off topic. Speaking of selling your soul, did you hear that Grimes is selling her soul? The, the like... The artist. So... I, I'm so... How? Like, so she's, like, writing up a document where, for this amount of money, this person now owns my soul? So, first of all, I, I'm an Elon Musk fan. Elon Musk and Grimes had a baby. They named the baby something crazy. Just because I'm a fan of Elon Musk doesn't mean I don't think he's crazy. I think he is. But they made, named it, like, XYZ12 or whatever. Then yeah, the, I remember saying that. Yeah, then they said they couldn't, so they had to do XII, which is 12 in the Roman numerals. And then, like, a week later... Grimes was like, I'm going to sell a piece of my soul. She's got an art exhibit. I understand what she's saying. She's saying every time you make art, you put a little bit of your soul into it, whether it's you're writing a song or doing a painting. She's, she said she's t- trying to discuss the... So it was a little clickbait in the headline, but just when you're like selling your soul, I thought it was funny. I'm like, there's literally an artist saying like, my soul is for sale. 
I thought that I was I mean, it, depending on what, we can figure out what market value for a soul is now. Because let's say she's selling 10% of it, however much she gets, then you multiply that by 10, that's market value right there. Or, or, I mean, I mean, I, I, I guess the, the soul market fluctuates based off of how many are on the market. So, I mean, if you got a bunch on the market, it probably drives down the price of a soul. And she's the only one who I can think of who's currently putting it on the market. So... Supply and demand would suggest she's going to get a, a better price for it than she should. Because yep. this is the only one on the market. We're, but, you know um, what? Let's start a, a, a startup where we it's a soul market. People can sell their souls. You have to keep track of, of how much it is. Yeah, even though I act, not actually a soul, but I have thought for a while that people should do that, but for like future, all future earnings. Like, that's how, not saying this is actually a good thing, but like, why are people taking out student loans? Why can't you just be like, I will sell 2% of all future earnings? And and in return, you fund my college degree. And people might say you might need to give up more if you're getting like a arts degree because you're gonna have less future earnings. But if you're like a doctor, I'm thinking like you're gonna make lots of money. Why wouldn't someone take that risk? Like that's how venture capital works. Is you don't people don't often give debt that needs repaid. They're like, no, I'm betting on you. So I'd love to see that. So I know it's not. What souls, I'm going but... to say is I think governments they already take a percentage of future earnings. They could essentially just say, I will pay for your education exchange for a slightly increased tax rate for the rest of your life. And that just streamlines it. That's true, too. And, yeah, that's, that's not a bad idea. I guess my point is that that's treating I'm all also degrees thinking... the same. Because, like, again, if you get a, like, certain degrees are clearly worth way more than others. Yeah. I'm going to say, I've, I've watched uh, CPG Gray's Rules for Rulers again, and part of what he says is it's worth it for democracy governments to invest in their population because it increases their productivity. It's kind of this. It's This would be the government investing in its population to increase their future productivity and production in order to increase the amount of taxes that they, they take back. Yeah. You just have to essentially just figure out what the cutoff point is for when it's worth it for increased future tax revenue compared to agreed and i'm down for it some countries already have free uh university and higher education i just you know the number one word americans don't like tax so i don't don't know you're gonna have to sell it some other way your education Uh, your freedom dividend education fund or whatever (laughs) there you go freedom i I like freedom Freedom i really love that i'm not a huge yang gang guy but i think freedom dividend is one of the best uh, policy advertisements ever. It's finding a way to rebrand it in a way that people will find acceptable. I think that's a little bit of genius in calling it the Freedom Dividend. Yeah. By the way, any other comments on Contagion? Because I have actually a note on what you just said. Yeah, I've got one more comment on Contagion, um, which is the style of this movie switches up quite a bit from scene to scene. The color grading, the grittiness of it, whether it's a flashback or not, you get different styles and how much focus there is, what type of lensing you use. It's all over the place. And based off of that alone, I would say that this movie could only, like if you hadn't told me who had directed this, and I just saw that, I would have been able to tell you this was Steven Soderbergh because that's, that's what he does a lot of. He does all of this really heavily stylized but without one particular distinct style. And I... I, I loved it. I'm going, I'm also decided that I'm just going to watch a lot more Soderbergh because I haven't seen some stuff like Sex, Lies, and Videotape, which is like the movie that made him famous. And I figure I should watch that. Recently rewatched Ocean's 12, which I feel like we talked about on, did we talk about it on the pod at some point? 
very briefly, I think, just because there was a Rick and Morty episode, I think. But I would, I would rewatch, I would watch that. I don't even know if I've ever seen Ocean Twelve or if I have. I, I really don't remember it, but I would definitely be. Down. I, I can't remember it at all, so I rewatched it, and that movie has within it the potential to have been one of my favorite movies. Just period. It just, it just fell on its face, on its face in one, lit one aspect, and that one aspect kind of just. It hamstrung the movie based off of True. that one thing. But there's so much in that movie that works. And that movie, I, I'll say Ocean's Eleven is a movie that belongs to that cast. Ocean's Twelve, as much as the cast is there and probably better. Actually, is better because you throw in other people who are great actors. Ocean's Twelve, I, I think of as a Soderbergh movie compared to Ocean's Eleven being belonging to, you know, Damon and Pitt and Clooney. But that that's just me. But, uh... Well, I, uh... I want to rewatch it, so I don't have any comments on it right now. But I do have a comment on what you just said about Freedom Dividend. Last thing, and then I, I guess we'll wrap up. Um, I was talking about this with friends where I said, like, I think the Republicans or the conservatives, whatever country you're from, like the right side, the right wing politically, is just really good at marketing and branding their ideas in general better than the left, even though I agree with the left side more often. Because we were talking about this where we said, like, you know, what brought it up was the whole, uh, um, the riots, Black Lives, like, Black Lives Matter. Okay, that's good. But then they can say, all lives matter. Now, everyone knows it's a dumb thing, but at the same time, like, it works to their base. They go, yeah! Same with, I always thought this one was good, which was uh, pro-choice versus pro-life. It's like, how could you be not life? Are you pro-death? It's like, I just think they have really a little bit better with the wording the and maybe their best one is the right to work bill which is really an anti-union oh. bill so it's like it's anti-union i'm pro-union but don't you want the right to work it's like yeah i get like again i don't agree with these ideas but i think that just if you don't look at the substance at all and you just hear the words i feel like you more often just agree with them because they make these broad generalizations with these phrases so again freedom dividend for once i think is a good term from the left even though they could just say it's a, I'm sure they could find something to, to, to get rid of universal basic income or, or, or twisted, make it seem negative. But I think they really do a good job of making most good ideas, which I agree with seem bad just with a catchy slogan or something. Yeah. I think, I think that they, they have been very successful in finding, I mean, pro-life to me is, is one of these where it's just like, oh, yeah, this, this is such a terrible position but in terms of branding, they did a good job of branding a terrible position, and uh, I think, I think Freedom Dividend is really good branding for uh, for that position. But they did a good job of branding it in a way that will not, um, not you know piss off people just based off of the name, which I th I think that was a good job by by Yang in doing that. Um, yeah, I think that's a good market tested name. All right. Uh, our, our, that's all we got for I think that's all we've got you want to talk about what we're doing next week because you've got the movie of the week and then yeah. I'll talk about my idea for the debate so the movie of the week next week this is a movie I have not seen which is, and I want to watch it and I think there'll be some deep discussion about it, which is her um, I love this movie and I have not but I've wanted to for a long time so I'm like this is a good excuse to, to force me to watch it um, so yeah so that's the movie of the week um, and the discussion of the week next week, I guess. Yeah. So I'll, I'll talk about that. I wanted it to be something where it's not, 
I have one side and you have an opposing side, but we each bring forward something that we believe in and we try and convince the other that that's the best option. So for this one, I thought we'd each try and think about what was the worst movie made given the amount of talent in it. So what was like the biggest waste of talent uh, across an entire movie? And I'll pick a movie where I think all the talent behind it was great, but the movie sucked. And I'll try and convince you that that was the biggest waste of accumulated talent. And you'll try and find something that you think was uh, a big waste as well and try and convince me that yours is the the bigger waste of talent. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. Did uh, you have a word of the week this week? I, I did not use it again. Please tell me that you used it. I want I want to hear you say that you had one and used it. I don't know. Did I? I feel like you did, but I, I can't remember what it was. I don't I, I don't did, know what it was. For did once, you? I had a word of the week. It was prescient. Prescient. Oh, fantastic word. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, which was used during contagion. I thought it was perfect because that is the word I thought of when I was watching it. I was like, fuck. <laughs> that is amazing. Can, can you can we get some 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 horns to, to congratulate yeah. him? I was going to say you need to add. I was going to want you to add We need little buttons like those sound effect buttons and you need like like a bunch of clapping and cheering. That's what we need. I mean, I've I've. I could try and edit that in, but I I edit it right now. I am winner. <laughs> Congratulations! I I uh, I bow to you on your you have you have finally contributed to this, and I am so happy for you, for me, and for the pod. It's just I think this is a great day to go down in this. <laughs> it's a great day for America. This, <laughs> this is a great day for Canada and therefore the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> This is Josh Lipton. And this has been Michael Lipton. And we've been just talking. Just talking. Thanks for listening. And see you next week.